time, another edition of State Champs Indiana Hang Time, the podcast presented by Lawrence Technological University. If you got the dream of playing college sports, LTU offers two dozen varsity sports, including men's women's basketball. Lawrence Tech wants you to recruit yourself. More on that later in the program. My name is Greg Rakestraw, joined as always by Bob Stambazzi. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good morning. Doing peachy creamy. We're ready. I mean, what a great week of basketball. <laughs> uh, it's well, obviously, girls sectional week. So the boys kind of stepped to the side a little bit this week. You'll have a full slate of games on Thursday. You'll have some games on Saturday afternoon. You'll have the occasional team that will sneak in a Wednesday game or a Friday game. Because crowds are lessened, you've got some teams that are going to go ahead and play a boys game on Friday night, knowing that. Again, you're not exactly splitting a big crowd going in either direction uh, at this point. The good news is, though, is that we're starting to see crowds start to pick back up. A lot of crowds are now allowed to be at 25% capacity and more than just immediate family at a game, which is wonderful news to see. Baz, let's start with you. What caught your attention from a boys basketball standpoint this week? Well, there's a lot of good games around our area up here, but uh, one of them just kind of jumps out was a big game when Central Noble uh, took on Cherubusco. Uh, those two teams know each other very well. Big uh, conference game. Uh, Central Noble, whose record went to 15-1, and played awfully well, come away with a 13-point win. And a team, Greg, a lot of people haven't heard about that's starting to make some noise and that's the Madison Grand Argyles. Now, they defeated uh, Blackford last week, and when you defeat Blackford, you, you know who you're going to defeat Brown. Well, they got him by four, and uh, then they beat Oak Hill, and then they got snowed out with Bluffton. So this Blackford team uh, has been starting to, uh, I think, wear down, to be quite frank with you, Greg. But Madison Grant 2A, just remember that, Madison Grant 2A is a team that is very steady, very good. And last thing I want to hit on is uh, Leo out of Fort Wayne lost their first game of the year uh, by losing to Fort Wayne Northside, another team that has struggled in 4A. But uh, then they come back and beat Huntington North and Belmont. But uh, Leo's still a good basketball team. I'm literally going to double check this stat as I ask you the question, Baz, but you want to take a guess as to how many unbeaten teams we still have left in the state of Indiana going to the final month of the season? I am going to say all over, I'm going to say a wild guess of six. Uh, You're a little high on that, buddy. You want to try again? Three. Amazingly, you are still high with that guess. The number is two. (laughs) Exactly. And you know one of them, that being Homestead. Yes. other one is Evansville Bossy, Shane Burkhart's team down in 3A. One of those programs now that you used to assume they're going to be good every year, um, just because there has been so much attention and rightfully so on Silver Creek and Heritage Hills and that part of the state. Obviously, what Hammond is doing, having not lost since their opening game against Lawrence North in the far northwest corner of the state. Bossy has kind of slid in there under the radar, but they are the only other unbeaten team in the state. Oh along with Homestead. And let's acknowledge this last year. Obviously, we had 64 teams, Baz, that finished with a win last year because of stopping after the sectional round. But do you remember how many unbeaten teams we had last year? Oh, again, uh, oh, going in, that would have been regional round. Yep. Uh, 
Oh, uh, I'll, I'll give a guess of seven. Again, you are being far too kind to people. Oh. Uh, I will I will save you the agony. <laughs> the answer is one. one. Bloomington South was the only unbeaten team at the end of last season, which is part of why they went ahead and hung a banner after last year. Ooh. So you couldn't say state champs, uh -huh. but you could have a banner that said the state's only unbeaten team in 2019-2020. Um, wh why do you think that's the case this year? I, I have a theory, but I, I will I will ask this up to you. Why do you think we have gotten to a point where only one unbeaten team last year and we're down to two this year? Well, I look at it right now uh, for this year. I'm going to throw in the 2021 season the fact of uh, there's been no continuity. There really has it. Sure. You don't know who's playing uh, on the game night. Uh, you may show up and somebody, I've actually seen it, Greg, a player's been pulled out of uh, layups yep. and sent home. So we don't know. Uh, and I think the uncertainty there uh, is is the biggest reason for me is why. Plus, I'm going back to something you brought back for up in football. Uh, we had these arranged games there you or go. arranged marriages that uh, weren't there in the past. And I think that also is contributing. But I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's making for better basketball. Yeah, you nailed it. And, and it is both the fact that teams suddenly have schedule flexibility – because their game or two gets whacked, they'll go play somebody else that they feel will provide them a great test. But I also think you are, this is what happens with the proliferation of single day shootouts and of everybody playing in some form of a holiday tournament. You are more apt to go play somebody that's not on your schedule if you're really good. Mm -hmm. You will find that team that's nowhere close to you, but that you think replicates or bests someone you have to play in the postseason. And so part of the reason why I think that that, you know, there has not been an undefeated team down the last two years in class 1A or 2A. Those teams aren't just sitting in their little pockets and playing the teams that they normally play. If they think they have a state title run or a deep tournament aspiration, they'll go find a three or a four A school. Now, obviously, in a unique situation like Fort Wayne Blackhawk, they're basically like an adjunct member of the Summit Athletic Conference at this point uh, because they need to be able to go play those quality four A teams. And Blackhawk's loan loss is to Homestead on January the twelfth. Uh, Barreve, you know, their loss was in overtime at Carmel on December the twenty third before they then lost in the Hall of Fame Classic uh, in terms of the morning game to Blackhawk, uh, where they had those two losses in the span of eight days. So to me, that's part of it. But yes, frankly, I think it's a good thing because we have a better grasp on just how good these teams are. And I like the fact that the, the best of the little guys says, you know what, we'll go play the best of the big boys because we know we won't maybe see a team that good again as far as the postseason run is concerned. I've taken a quick look at Homestead's schedule. They are down to having just four games left to go. So first of all, tip of the cap to Chris Johnson and the guys at Homestead for being able to play as many games as possible. They are at Hamilton Southeastern on Saturday. That is the last of the numerous games they have played against teams from central Indiana, specifically Marion County and the Donut surrounding counties. They have Wayne at home, Concordia at home, and they go play at Carroll on February the 19th. As of now, 
Homestead is not playing the last week of the season. And again, you'll see some teams that will do that. That will simply, they do that in a regular year to kind of allow, you know, more time to be able to, um, you know, prepare for the tournament in the case of a snow day, make up a game. We're going to see a lot of teams that will get to that point and say, you know what, we're good. Let's put it in quarantine. Let's lock it down and let's go, you know, play in the postseason. So only four more games left to go for Homestead to complete a perfect regular season. Your thoughts on what the Spartans have done to this point, Coach? Uh, number one, outstanding. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to something else again. You brought up the fact of getting outside of the Summit City, going down to the Circle City, and playing those teams wherever. One thing I will bring up, if you look at that last week, that's a week to heal. Uh, this is a grueling schedule, this big school plays. Every day, they got to come with their A game. And when I talk about healing, I'm just not talking about physical healing. I'm talking about mental healing because, Greg, you know as well as anybody, the game beats you up. You get on the yellow hound, you, you get on the road and go for two and a half hours, and you come home two and a half hours, and in between, uh, you get to play basketball. So I think uh, Coach Johnson, I've known for a long, long time, him and his brother both, Mark, but but, but th this this is really a great feat because Homestead has says we'll take on all comers. And I think that's what great for me sticks out most is that they will play anybody, any place, any time and go in without any fear. By the way, Bossy 13-0, they're the flip side. And, and Bossy had played two games until December the 28th. They are 13-0. They have eight games on the schedule Five of those are league games over the month of February. And by the way, the, the last Friday of the year is usually a very light one, uh -huh. but they've got a massive game at rights, which could be easily for the SIAC championship and a big indicator of how those two teams will do in the postseason. They do not face each other in the postseason. Uh, the majority of teams in that league uh, are, are 4A schools, Bossy being in the 3A realm, so, again, one of those games where, you know, both teams can, can, can play hard and both teams can have, you know, a different postseason runs because they won't run into each other in the sectional just a handful of days after that. Uh, quickly, we've kind of referenced a big four uh, as far as 4A is concerned with Homestead being atop that, where those four teams have only lost to other teams in that group. That still holds true after the weekend. Lawrence North had a couple of games that might have been closer than folks would thought they would have been going into them. They won by 10 at Center Grove on Friday night, held on to beat Jeffersonville by five uh, on a game that was played on Saturday afternoon, as most of the games in the Indianapolis area that were scheduled for Saturday night uh, ended up being played on Saturday afternoon to get out of the way of the snowstorm and really using snowstorm loosely. It was like three or four inches. But given like what our last couple of winters have been like, knock on wood, that counts as a snowstorm. Uh, so so LN remains with one loss. Carmel easily passed Newcastle on Saturday. LN and Carmel, we'll talk about that more in a moment. That's the game that I have coming up on Thursday night. Also dating back to last week, Cathedral beat Attics on Monday night for the city championship. Ooh. Again, Baz, there, there is a big four, and there are certainly teams that I think that are capable – of competing with those teams. But if you give me four teams versus the field, I think I'm taking the four 
of Homestead, LN, Carmel, and Cathedral. I could see that, and, and also look at South Bend Adams uh, having yep. their first loss uh, this past week to Warren Central by just seven points. Uh, kind of took them to me. I that was my dark horse. I sure. was kind of hoping coming out of the South Bend area to bring a little more pride back up there to basketball because it's been down for a while. Not since I believe what Mark Johnson took his Riley team to the state finals. I think is last time uh, they were at the state finals. So. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, those those four dogs, I'm telling you what, they'll come off the porch. See, now you got me thinking. Now, now I'm just sitting here showing the Rolodex of my mind. I think you're accurate. I think it's 94. Uh, there was it was Clay in 94. Right. That was, was there a um, Riley trip after that? Yeah, Tommy DeBates took him, uh, and then uh, Mark Johnson had uh, uh, had left uh, uh, LaSalle right. and went over to uh, Riley. Okay. And then took them down to the state finals. I'm very good. Matter, see, fact, I like some. matter of fact, Homestead and Riley played in the semi-state. Two brothers coaching against each other. Right, and which was two, best to Chris. Which was 2015, which is when Homestead yeah. last won the state championship yeah. with Biggie Swanigan, obviously, as their star player. By the way, again, the fact that Sal Ben Adams lost does not is not an, an, an indictment to me. That tells me they're up quality. That tells me they deserve to be in the conversation because, A, they made the trip down to Indianapolis, and, B, that game, again, got moved to earlier in the day. That was supposed to be a 7.30 tip-off. They might have played that game at 1.30 uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. And you've heard me talk about Warren Central as a team that if they can figure it out, they're really good. And from a talent standpoint, they're no different than the top four teams in the state. Well, all of a sudden – Warren has rattled off five consecutive victories. If you go before that, they have won nine of their last 10. And their only loss is to Lawrence North by three in the Marion County Championship game. And looking ahead at Warren's schedule, I see one game where I don't think they're a prohibitive favorite. And that would be at Carmel, a game I get to have on February the 19th. And also of note, Warren Central has added a game with Mishawaka Marion on February the 20th. So again, another good 3A team testing their mettle uh, against a school of quality of Warren Central. Right now, we'll pause. And before we continue, if you're a student athlete and feel you've been overlooked by universities, Lawrence Technological University has a unique program for you to recruit yourself. Take a listen. If you're a high school athlete with the dream of playing college sports, Lawrence Technological University wants you to recruit yourself. LTU offers over two dozen varsity sports for men and women, along with several dozen world-class undergraduate programs. Athletic and academic scholarships are available in all sports, including its newest additions, competitive cheer and dance, e-sports, women's hockey, and men's and women's track and field. Visit LTUathletics.com and recruit yourself. Lawrence Tech, where Blue Devils dare. Once again, back on the State Champs Indiana Hangtime podcast presented by Lawrence Technological University. Alongside Bob Stambazzi, I'm Greg Rakestraw. All right, so here we go. Again, this is a week where, and and because of, of, of COVID-19 and, and and just trying to get in games wherever you can, I know there's a, there's a handful of Monday games this week. There shouldn't be any Tuesday games. You'll have some Wednesday games, a lot of Thursday games, a, maybe a, a Friday evening game and some Saturday matinees, that is the girls that take to the center stage uh, with their first round of postseason play. 
from a boys basketball standpoint, Baz, what do you have this week? Uh, by the way, I got to stand corrected. Uh, Riley did not go. They okay. did get beat the last time I was thinking about it, and I do apologize. Okay. Matter of fact, they, they probably went when I was born. And I was born in 45, but uh, the last time uh, they made the trip down was 1945, so I apologize. Uh, right. What we're going to do this week is uh, uh, be outside of the girls' section, which we'll have, uh, on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night, we'll have boys basketball, a good old county rival slobber knocker with Norfield and Manchester on Thursday night, both uh, JB and Varsity. She'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, North Miami struggling. Manchester, Greg, uh, is one of those sleepy dogs. That uh, uh, Are they going to win the state? No. Are they going to get out of the regional? No. But can they win that sectional? I don't think so, but because of who's in it, but uh, uh, with with the team. So this is going to be this is a fun team to watch in Manchester. Uh, I'm going to answer that question for you. No, they're in Fort Wayne no. Blackhawks. I know. That's why I said no. So, uh, you know, I hope I hope the best for, for Manchester, for the Squires. Um, by the first week in March, they can focus on spring sports. Up at Manchester. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. Hey, hey, to be the bearer of bad news, that, that's how good Fort Wayne Blackhawk is. Um, <laughs> again, I referenced this in passing. Um, Carmel and LN. And again, I have been so lucky to have been at, I think, um, other than we had it on ISC, but I wasn't there for Homestead and LN. I have been at all of the other matchups between those top four teams. Didn't have the call of Cathedral and Homestead on December the 5th, but I was in the building. I thought, you know what? I'll take a break after calling five games. I won't worry about six and seven that day. But I hung around to watch the game. Um, I had the call of Cathedral's one-point win at Carmel. I get to see Carmel at LN on Thursday night. And last year, this was 39-37 when those two teams got together with LN winning at Carmel. Baz, I expect no different this time around. Lawrence Orchard just won a pair of games where they scored 45 and 56 points. If you want to run with them, they'll run with you. Uh, but that's the thing that impresses me about this group. They don't have to play a particular style of game to go win it. And uh, knowing that the Mick championship is on the line, I expect that game on Thursday to be a whole lot of fun. I got to ask you, you don't expect it to be in the 30s on this time around, do you? Actually, I kind of do, to be honest. Oh, wow. With you. Um, wow. You know, and when, when I have seen Carmel play all their big games, uh, Carmel got to 72 on Saturday because they were playing Newcastle. Newcastle got to 25 against them. Um, when Carmel has played top flight competition that I have seen, they have scored 50 points. In the neighborhood, like when, when Cathedral beat them, they got beat 51-50. When they beat Bar Reeve in overtime, I think the score was 57-55, and that game was in overtime. Whenever you play Carmel, you are simply going to play their pace. Mm -hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The thing is, because of the few number of kids that LN wants to play, they're perfectly content to play a half-court game and to keep running through their sets just like Carmel would. So if there's an offensive outbreak, Baz, maybe it's 49-47 on <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, but, but this will feel, look, sound, smell like a postseason game on Thursday evening. Wow.
That's going to be interesting. Uh, that you, you kind of surprised me with those numbers, but I thought it'd be up in the 60 pluses. So things I learned. Nobody does that against Carmel. Uh, in fact, I'm going to double check my stats right now. I believe that 55 is the most that anybody has scored on Carmel this year. Uh, they are averaging allowing 41 points a game, and that is correct. Carmel has allowed 55 twice in the overtime victory against Bar-Reeve, and then in a game against Pike where they scored the most points they have scored all season in 73. Carmel has cleared 67 points twice. Um, you know, usually – the defensive stats, as far as fewest points allowed, those are reserved for the 1A and 2A teams. Yeah. Think about the schedule Carmel plays, and they allow 41 points per game. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's impressive. The level of yeah. buy-in uh, that, uh, yeah. that that they have with that group is pretty pretty remarkable. All right, one more thing we want to talk about, and okay. while we are not, uh, I tell you what, a cu- couple more things. Um, we'll talk about teams first. Then I want to get to an individual. Um, I have told people all year long that I think Silver Creek is the favorite in 3A. I'm not so sure it's not Hammond anymore, to be honest with you, Bass. Um, Silver Creek has now lost twice with their full complement of players. They were beaten by Bloomington South, uh, and I'm glad those two schools are playing. Last year was an Anthony Leal three at the buzzer in front of a fire marshal full house at Silver Creek uh, to win that game in the 77-74. Obviously, this year, very reduced audience that was at hand at Bloomington South. Um, Bloomington South survived multiple threes missed by Silver Creek at the end. They then put a put back in in the last few seconds, but did not have a timeout to stop the clock. So Bloomington South wisely stepped out of bounds of the ball, put the ball in their hip and didn't inbound it. Game's over. 42-41. Bloomington South. They've got far more wins probably than their talent should, ha- should have for them this year. <laughs> Uh, but 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 they get the win over Silver Creek. So I quickly kind of wrote off the first two losses that Silver Creek had um, because they didn't have Trey Kaufman. You know, they lost to North Harrison December the 11th. They lost to Blackhawk Christian, an absolutely epic game on December the 12th uh, without Kaufman. And I'm like, you know what? As soon as Trey gets back, they're fine. Well, they've lost twice. Now, again, to 4A teams, but not to the 4A teams that I think are amongst the top 10 in the state. Hammond's got one loss. It's number two Lawrence North by a point. It would not surprise me that if Silver Creek and Hammond faced each other in the state championship game. And I'm not saying that Silver Creek isn't capable of beating Hammond. I think it'd be a phenomenal game, and, and I wouldn't be mad if that's the championship game we have on April the 3rd in 3A. But Silver Creek also has a tougher path because there are numerous really good teams in their sectional and regional North Harrison with LT Hatton. You've heard me reference Heritage Hills and Evansville Boshi. Mm. Those those two are in the same sectional. So likely one of those would face Silver Creek if you assume they make it to the regional round. Greensburg, as good as they are every year, uh, would be in that regional likely as well. So it's not exactly a given that Silver Creek makes that state championship game. To me, and again, that and 50 cents will get you on the bus, but probably from a 3A standpoint, we probably ought to start referencing Hammond 
maybe as, as the current favorite in terms of 3A boys basketball. Well, well Greg, I got to agree with you there because I'm sitting here looking at their schedule and they, you know, they put some points on the board. They average 75 points a game. Now, granted, they put 115 on right. Gavin, but uh, I looked at their sectional, not a sectional that uh, there's going to be any problems for them. Nobody had a winning record in there other than Hammond. So that's going to be a cakewalk. They'll start getting a little more issues come regional time. But I think, again, I look at their schedule and the teams they play, including Evansville. Yes, yes. Hammond played an Evansville team, Evansville North. They played North Central. They played Avon. They slipped over and, you know, they got into a very good program when you're playing Marvel. So, uh, yeah, they played some pretty good competitions that I think will bode well. And going back to another point you made so perfectly, you know, playing Lawrence North and losing to him by one the very first game of the year. Hammond's good. I've had the fortune of seeing them three times uh, in, in so far this year. Obviously, the games they play in the Indianapolis area, a victory against Avon, a victory against North Central, that near win against Lawrence North. They're not very deep, and we say that about a lot of teams, you know, that, hey, they don't really want to go past six or seven, uh, to be honest with you. But the starting five that Hammond has is as good as any starting five in the state. And, again, folks, don't forget, this is the last year of of Hammond High School as it's constituted. Gavitt, Clark, and Hammond will all merge to form Hammond Central next year. So this is the last year for this configuration of a high school That'll be a whale motivating factor. Hammond has not won a regional since 1954. So they, they have a lot on the line to play for uh, for the uh, remainder of the season. All right, final thing before we let you go, we need to talk about the Luke Brown phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He is now over 2,500 <laughs> points. He is now in the top 10 in the history of Indiana high school boys basketball. Uh, You referenced Madison Grant and the season they have put together. They own a victory over Blackford in the not too distant past. Uh, That game, in fact, was last Wednesday, a four point win. So it's not exactly a certainty that Blackford gets out of their sectional. Um, It's a it's a tough but winnable regional that Blackford would be in if they can get past their sectional. I do think the semi-state would be the stopping point because, again, that's where Blackhawk Christian would be awaiting if they make it that far. But just your thoughts on a kid that was so hyped and so talked about and went to a place on the basketball map that was so far off the radar, what this run has been like for Luke Luke Brown and Blackford. Maybe I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but it was almost the fanfare you read about an eighth grader a long time sure. ago that Bobby Knight checked into. Absolutely. But but what Luke Brown has done, he's not – forget basketball. Really, seriously, just forget basketball. What he has done for that community, Greg, uh, is – in my, it, you just can't measure what he has done for the community of Hartford City and Montpelier in that little pocket. Uh, and then what he's brought to the school in regards to athletics, uh, not being able to get a ticket because he sells it out. You go on the road, he sells it out. Uh, Luke Brown uh, has meant more to Indiana basketball and to that little community of Hartford City while people will ever be able to put a thumb on 10 years down the road because it's just been able to rejuvenize a community 
that was really down because they lost so much industry that they were really struggling. But along comes a kid with an 83-year-old coach. Hmm. And they come in. They set things on fire. And and I, I truly believe, I, I believe this deep down in my heart, uh, basketball uh, owes Luke Brown a big thank you in the community of of. Uh, Hartford City, and I'll say this, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, his adopted home. And uh, he will always be called Luke Brown from Hartford City. We are talking, we're, we're recording this before Blackford plays at Elwood, which is the Monday night game. They're then going to play Ole Miss on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They're then going to go to Andrean. He's got another good team. They were the state champs in 2A a couple of years ago. Not really part of the discussion this year. It probably should be out of the northwest corner of the state, at least as far as making a, a deeper run into the tournament, they would run into Blackhawk in the regional round with the 59ers. But there are three games this week for Luke. Let's say he scores 100 points this week, which is not exactly – that's kind of average, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. For, for, for Luke. Yeah. So if he does that, mm-hmm. here are the four players he would pass this week on the all-time state scoring list. Rick Mount – Eric Hunter and Trayvon Blewett. So he would pass three. Uh, A little more distance is between Brody Boyd, who is in fifth. Once you get to the top five, and Luke's about 125 points away from that group. So again, it'll happen at some point in February, not exactly sure when. Then you get to the four members of the 3,000-point club. Damon Bailey, Marion Pierce, Deshaun Thomas, and Romeo Langford. I just don't think there's enough real estate there for Luke to get to. Maybe in the wildest scenario for Blackford, he could get to Romeo Langford. But uh, he's going to finish top five in the history of Indiana high school basketball in terms of points scored. What a remarkable career. Oh, great. He scored 480 points so far this year. But here's something else that just jumps out at me. He's had over 460 minutes of court time. Let me tell you something. You're getting on a bus. You're traveling everybody. You're playing everybody. Everybody comes see you. You know you have to play hard. That wears you down. Yeah. But 460 minutes of playing time uh, this season is just – I know people don't look at that, but that's remarkable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, there's no doubt about that. Baz, anything else for the good of the cause today? Oh, I look forward to seeing you this week, my friend. So, uh, again, by, by, by the time that um, um, this is released, yeah. I think Baz and I are actually doing another broadcast together. So I'm a man of my word, yeah. even if I don't honor it the first time. Yeah, so I when I told, I told Baz someone this, I said, hey, I said, We're, you and I are going to do a game together this year because Baz rotates – his color analyst for every broadcast uh, and usually it's someone from the community, former player, former coach, uh, you know, friend he met at the Elks club, you know, whatever the case may be. That's true. And, and I said, Hey, I said, let, let, I said, believe it or not, I actually have a couple of nights off every once in a while. I said, I, let's come up and do a game. Well, I was supposed to do a game with him in December and my schedule got changed. And so I like, okay, uh, we'll find it. We'll find a time to do a game. And my goodness, it's going to be the girls' sectional. So Tuesday night, I get to be a part of the slobber knocker tradition that is Wabash County High School basketball uh, as Northfield and Southwood face each other in the opening round of the sectional. 
and I'll do my best to, to derail the broadcast, but to do so in a completely funny way. Well, I could do that all by myself, and I don't even have to be funny. So <laughs> show up and have a good time, because that's what my listeners expect. It's so a, with it's that, a party on yeah. the radio. It's a party on the radio. We'll have full stories to tell next week on the podcast. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> for, for at least the ones we can. For the for Bob Stambazzi and Wes Wolf behind the scenes, this is Greg Rakestraw. Thanks for listening to the State Champs Indiana Hangtime Podcast, presented by Lawrence Technological University. 